Amen. Thank you to the praise team. I filled in a little bit since this uh, morning at 10.30, but looking forward to uh, starting a new sermon series today. So it's a new year. Uh, thankful to Paul Miller for preaching last week. My wife and I and kids got a chance to get away for a bit. We went to Montreal for one night. So we just went out. We said, well, let's take a trip. Never been there. It's only about a five-hour drive or so and just spent uh, one day away. Uh, and it was a nice relaxing time, actually. We had a nice indoor pool and sauna and all that on New Year's Eve. So that was, that was great. But there's nothing like being back here with my church family. And uh, we're going to start a new sermon series called Renewed. Renewed, which I think is really fitting, considering here we are starting a new year, the year 2017. I know many people are happy to see 2016 go. Uh, 2016 had a lot of dark moments to it. Uh, for our country and for our world, really, whether that's the terrorist attacks. We had a number of terrorist attacks in our country. We had a very angry election. Uh, Regardless of who you voted for and who you wanted to win, you have to admit it was a very angry, uh, ugly election. Uh, There were a lot of uh, racism or accusations of racism or actual examples of racism in our country. Uh, There were a lot of dark moments to 2016. And then many of you, I know, could say there's a lot of personal things about 2016. Health issues, our family issues, our people passing away that made 2016 a really difficult year for you. Well, here we are on 2017, and it's a new year. Interestingly enough, for me, I'll, I'll mention a little bit this later, but 2016 was one of the best years of my life, perhaps the best year of my life in so many different ways. So even though things are going not so well here in the culture, it was personally one of the greatest years of my life. But God loves new things. It's one thing we see all over Scripture. God does love new things. So as we start a new year, think of it as a time for something new. We see God loving new things when it comes to the seasons. Every year, what happens? We have fall and winter, where things fall into a state of death or sleeping or hibernation, only to come alive in the spring every year as God renews the seasons. God loves new things in that he gives us new life in Jesus. We are born again. We're no longer dead in our sins. He's given us rebirth. God loves new things. God loves new things and he shows it in the resurrection, right? We think about the resurrection, not only of Jesus as the first fruits, but that the day will come when he will rise all the dead in Christ to be with him forever. Or that there'll be a new earth, that the, the earth itself, when Christ returns, will be renewed. God loves new things. He loves to renew things. So how should we look at this new year? Is one more new opportunity to go forward. <laughs> And not backwards. To go forward spiritually and not backwards. Look with me. We're going to look at Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 to 16. And it should be in your bulletins along with an outline. We've got pew Bibles. And of course, I'll be reading it to you. So um, this is Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 to 16. Where Paul himself talks about looking forward and not backwards. This is what he says. Probably a familiar passage to many of you. Not that I have already obtained this. We'll talk about what the this is in a bit. Or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. 
And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. I'm calling you, friends, is to go forward and not backward. To go forward and not backward. Uh, we're going to look at uh, the first point, verse 12. Uh, the first thing about going forward, not backwards, is to know that you haven't arrived. <laughs> know that you have not yet arrived. Verse 12, he says, Not that I have already obtained this. What's the this? It's what he stated right in the previous section, which we didn't just read. But that is to know Christ and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of sharing in his suffering. So for Paul, the ultimate goal, the ultimate destination of this race that he's going on, is to know Christ. He wants to know him personally. And know him fully. And he says, I haven't reached that yet. I'm not there. I'm not there at my goal yet. I haven't reached the state of perfection. I don't know Christ fully yet. I'm growing towards that direction, towards heaven and eternity, but I haven't yet arrived. And so what does he say? I press on to reach it. I press on to obtain it. I want to I make it my own. And the idea here is like a runner in a race. There's the end of the race, and he wants to run and run and run, and he's saying, I haven't yet crossed the finish line. I'm still in this race trying to make it to the end. But notice what he says, I, want, I strive to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. So here's what he's saying. Ultimately, I'm on this race to grow in knowing Christ, but as far as Christ and what he has done for me, that's fully done. <laughs> it's completed. He is already fully in possession of me. I belong to him. And really what he's doing here is talking about the difference between justification and sanctification. Maybe you've heard this before, but hopefully you have, that we are fully righteous in his sight because of what Christ has done. That we belong fully to God. We'll never belong more fully to God than we do right now if your faith is in Jesus. You'll never be more saved than you are right here and right now. He has obtained us through what he has done for us. But he's saying, I need to press on to know him more. By the grace of God. But nevertheless, I want to be sanctified. I want to grow in holiness. And I haven't yet arrived. I'm still on that race to make it to the end. Friends, it's, it's essential that we know that we still have room to grow. That we still have a distance to run. Is it, what happens when you think you're at the end of a race? What do you do? You walk, right? Or you eventually you sit. Or you just relax because you're at the end. Or, as you see, you can watch these videos all over YouTube on the internet. You celebrate too early, right? You think you're at the end and you throw your arms in the air and maybe you begin to high-five people in the crowd and you begin to slow down and walk. And what inevitably always happens, somebody behind you speeds up and takes the race right from you, right? It's dangerous to think that you've already arrived when you haven't. And friends, I think this is a sad reality for many Christians. They think they've already arrived. They think they've already reached the point of the end. They've already reached the state of perfection. Actually, there's a whole theological uh, doctrine that actually teaches this by a guy named John Wesley. Overall, a good guy. Uh, but uh, I think he was dead wrong in this subject. He believed you could reach a state of perfection as a Christian in this life. He believed that if Jesus said, be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. If Jesus said it, you must be able to do it. Therefore, we can reach a state of perfection. Uh, ironically, he never claimed he himself did it. But he said you could reach it. I think he is dead wrong. <laughs> you never reach perfection. You never reach a state of sinlessness when which you've arrived in this world. But I think even if you take away that theological doctrine that some uh, denominations believe, 
I think practically, this is still an issue for many of us. To, to think that you've arrived, to think that you're already there. You have nothing more to learn, you have nothing more to grow. You've already reached the end. I, I don't need to be part of a community group. I've already done that. I've done that for years. I don't need to hear Bible preaching because I already know the Bible well enough. I don't need to read the Bible. I went to Sunday school as a kid, got that. I'm all done with that. Or you hear something like this. I don't need to be part of a church anymore. I already know more than everybody around me anyway. What's a preacher going to teach me? I don't need to serve. I already put in my time. I served the church for years and years and years. I'm done with that. What are you ultimately saying? I've already reached the end of the race. I put in my 30, 40, 50, whatever, 60 years, and I'm done. Friends, even Paul, <laughs> the apostle, didn't believe he reached that point. Now, maybe you think that you're, you know, gone beyond Paul, I guess. You could believe that. That would be a strange thing. I've been reading um, Deuteronomy in the mornings, and uh, just came to the point where Moses uh, doesn't enter the promised land. Here's Moses, probably the most prominent figure in the entire Old Testament. The, the person that, that uh, is, gets the most credit, I guess, for writing the, the Torah and so forth. At the very end, Moses is angry and he's bitter with his people because of their rebellion. And God says to Moses, you will not enter the promised land. And he takes him on a mountain and he gets this vision and sight of the land. And God says, you will see it. But because of your rebellion, you will not enter it. Even Moses didn't reach the end of the race. Even he understood, I still need to grow. There's still areas where I have failed. Friends, we belong to Christ. And you can never improve on that. He has obtained us. But you and I, we still have room to grow. We still need to keep pressing forward. Let's just remember that this year. Let's keep that in mind. It's true of us as individuals. Uh, it's true of, of the pastors, for sure. We have room to grow and learn. It's true of our elders, and it's definitely true of our deacons, right? No, no, no more true of them than anyone else, but it's, it's true of all of us. All of us have room to grow. And friends, think about what areas in your life do you know need growth? Think through it. That's one of the reasons why we're offering this Financial Peace University. I just want to throw a little plug in for that. You know, that's, maybe that's an area of your life that needs to come more under the Lordship of Christ. You need to be a better steward with your finances. And you need to do better financial planning and maybe take better care of that area so you can give more to the work of the Lord and so forth and so on. Here's an opportunity to continue to grow in that area, whatever it may be. Friends, we all have need to grow. It's true of us as a church. <laughs> there is no perfect church. Uh, the reformers said the church should be reformed by the word of God and always reforming. In other words, the word of God is always shaping us. We never reach a place in which we say, I've arrived. We've arrived as a church. We're going to, we've gone as far as we can possibly go. We've reached that point of perfection. That's one of the reasons why we're pursuing new bylaws this year, too. Again, because we believe there are areas that we need to grow. We don't want to be defined by our history. We want to be defined by ministry going forward as well. We need to keep growing. It's a big problem with churches, actually, when they think that they've arrived. What happens? They stop growing. They stop reaching new people. They stop making changes to be conformed to the Word of God. And they begin dying. That's exactly what happens. But here's what I would say, friends. For you personally and for us as a church, I believe God has a lot more for you. <laughs> he has so much more for you. And you're not called to be satisfied until you continue on 
And you are actually in the presence of Jesus and enjoying him, knowing him fully. Don't think you've arrived. You haven't arrived. There's more to go. There's the next step going forward. Don't keep looking back and look what's ahead. Verses 13 and 14. Don't go backwards. Press on forward. Paul says, brothers, I do not consider that I myself have made it my own. So he's reemphasizing what he just said. I still want to tell you again, I have not reached the end. I have not reached perfection. I'm still in pursuit of it. But what does he say? The one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, I strain forward to what lies ahead. All that lies behind, all my sins and my failures, my pain, my successes, all that I leave behind and I strive forward to what's ahead. Uh, He uses the term he uses here, straining forward, reveals a certain level of hardship going forward, of discipline. Uh, Again, it's the image of of a runner in a race. You've got to keep pushing yourself to go forward. It takes that effort. Uh, I decided to start running in the winter. Uh, I, I really started running a lot last year, but I said, okay, it's cold out now and it's snowy. I don't have to run anymore. And then I realized, you know what? I can't just spend the whole winter not running. So now it's dark out, it's cold out, it's snowing out, and I still got to push myself. And I realized it's a lot harder to run in 20 degree weather <laughs> than it was last year. But that's part of the effort, the energy you got to put into it. Straining forward, not living in the past. He says, I press on toward the goal. Again, the goal is eternity, the upward call of God. I want to be faithful right to the end. Friends, think of this. Don't, don't let your past hold you back. That's what he's saying. Forgetting what is behind. Think about what happens when a runner looks back. Oftentimes he can, or she can trip because you're not paying attention and your legs get weird under you or you slow down to look behind you. Or if you're a driver in a car and you, you're constantly looking behind you or you're constantly using one of your side mirrors, what happens to you? Some drivers tend to, to swerve off the path because they're constantly looking behind instead of looking at what's in front of them. So it's true of us too, friends, as Christians. And this was a real temptation for Paul. He could have looked back at all his past sins. And there's a number of them he could choose from. He persecuted Christians. He arrested Christians. He actually says he arrested men and women. So here's, here's a guy that's literally pulling Christian women out of their home, away from their kids, and dragging them off to jail. He was the one responsible and had a certain authority over the death of Stephen, who was an early Christian leader and was the first martyr that we know of anyway. Paul was an authority over that. He could let these past sins just weigh down on him until it just crushes him spiritually. But he says, no, forgetting what is behind. He could have relied on his past successes. You know, kind of lived in the glory of the past. He studied under Gamaliel, one of this famous rabbi. He uh, was a Pharisee of Pharisees, part of the strictest sect of the law. He could have, even you say, well, those are before he was Christian. Even if you look at his post-Christian days, he could have boasted and said, I, I've reached more people for Jesus than anybody else in the world and probably anybody else in history. And I planted more churches Then anybody else, I'm done. I put in my time, I'm over. He doesn't. Forgetting what is behind, straining forward. He could have been embittered by past pain. He was severely persecuted, physically and otherwise. He could have been embittered by his rejection by his own people, the Jews. He could have been embittered by the fact that he was abandoned by fellow Christians. I don't know if you know that. 
Paul, as he came to the end of his life, talked about how in his time of greatest need, those closest to him, his Christian friends, all abandoned him. They left him by himself. And he says, may it not be held against them. But instead, he says, forgetting what is behind, strain forward to what's ahead. Friends, it's so important for us. Keep moving forward. See, here's why you, here's why you can stop looking back. <laughs> because you are forgiven in Christ. You don't have to continue to weigh yourself down with those past sins because you are forgiven. And you don't have to continue to hold it against others because you can forgive as you have been forgiven. See, I think this is so important. People say you need to forgive yourself. Forget that, all right? Forget forgive yourself. That's, that's not good advice, in my opinion. Because you're not God, so you're not the one who has to forgive. God is the one who has to forgive. But here's how you get rid of guilt. Not by forgiving yourself, but by looking to the forgiveness that God has given you and remembering and meditating and thinking over that. If God does not hold this sin against you, then how could you even hold it against yourself and how can anyone else hold it against you? You're forgiven, you're redeemed in Christ. Now go forward in his grace. Friends, what holds you back? What holds you back as we start a new year here? What baggage do you carry? Broken relationships, maybe in your past? Addictions? I was talking to somebody, I was preaching on Philippians 3, 12 to 16, and they said, oh, it makes me think of people who struggle with addiction. So they immediately came to that thought. What hurts do you have? What habits, what hang-ups do you have? And yes, this is a nice little plug for, for Celebrate Recovery on Monday nights at 6 o'clock. If you're struggling with any type of hurt or habit or hang-up, consider going there, helping you move forward, not backwards. What's in your past, friends? Maybe it's something you've done when you were younger as a teenager. Maybe it's an abortion that you've had. Maybe it's someone that you hurt, a broken relationship you've had. Maybe it's something in relation to your parents or a best friend or a younger sibling or whatever it is. Maybe you look back and you see missed opportunities. You know, you look back and say, oh, I wish I could just go back. I'll give anything to go back to that one day in which I made that decision and went in the wrong direction and it's affected my whole life. Or maybe you look back at the glory days. You know, like the guy who's was a football star in high school and hasn't done much with his life ever since then and just sort of lives in the past. <laughs> or maybe it's bitterness. I will not let go of what this person did to me. I don't care. It doesn't matter what happens. I won't let it go. It's my, my way of continually hurting them. I'm never going to forget what they did to me. Forgetting what is behind. Straining forward to what's ahead. Press on forward. Keep running. Some people say, oh, I've gotten, I've, I'm so far behind, Rick. <laughs> I mean, I'm so far behind, there is just no, there's no way. I have this trail of tears behind me. There's no way I can get back on, t- on track. A trail of tears, we've heard that before, it comes from uh, 1839. Andrew Jackson removed the Cherokees from their lands east of the Mississippi River, forced them to migrate to an area near Oklahoma, and the amount of suffering and difficulty and hardship and loss they face is called forever the trail of tears. Maybe you look back at your life and you see a trail of tears and say, I can't, I can't move forward. It's too late. Friends, it's never too late. It's never too late to get 
moving. I went to go see a friend of ours, uh, Sydney Beryl, last week. Sydney is 74 years old. He's in a nursing home. He was baptized two years ago by Mitch as a Jewish Christian coming to Christ for the first time at 72 years old. Friends, it's never too late to start running. I remember when I was in seminary, there was a guy I knew there who was an oncologist. He was also in his 70s, decided to start seminary. He would fly in from New York, spend uh, three days in classwork, fly back to New York and work for four days in New York as an oncologist and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth in his 70s. It's never too late. Get moving, friends. In fact, the truth of the matter is you'll probably pass some people who have been running for a lot more years than you. Like the tortoise and the hare, right? You know the story where the, the hare takes off so fast in the beginning, gets so far ahead, he says, I think I'm just going to take a nap and sleeps, and eventually the tortoise passes him. So friends, sometimes people run fast for a short period of time and then stop. But you get on track and get moving. Keep going forward, friends. Verses 15 to 16, and hold true to what matters. Hold true to what really matters. But those of us who are mature think this way. Uh, so in other words, he's saying, if you're mature, <laughs> be humble. Recognize that you haven't arrived. Uh, to turn that around, think about it. What is it saying? Immaturity, spiritual immaturity then, is to think that you don't have anywhere to grow anymore. That you've already reached a state of perfection. That is immaturity. I like what he says. Uh, he says, if anyone thinks otherwise, God will reveal that to you also. Maybe the first time you read that, that sounds a little arrogant, doesn't it? <laughs> If you disagree with me, don't worry. God's going to sort you out in time. He'll make it so you understand what I'm saying. But when you really actually probe it a little deeper, what he's ultimately saying is, if you really think you're so spiritually mature and you have nothing to grow, I trust that the Holy Spirit will do the conviction. I remember I was uh, taking perspectives and one missionary said, just this idea of trusting the Holy Spirit to do the conviction. That he was a missionary in Mongolia. And he was reaching the Mongolian people. And he said uh, at one point, well, you need to pray for the Chinese. You need to pray the Chinese receive Christ as Savior too. And the Mongolians, the Chinese don't get along. So they said, no, we will not pray for the Chinese. The Chinese are shifty people. <laughs> we don't pray for the Chinese. We don't like the Chinese. And he said, no, as Christians, you need to pray for the Chinese. And they said, we don't believe God would want us to pray for the Chinese. He doesn't want them to be saved. So the missionary said, you know what? Okay, okay. Tell you what, you guys go and you pray about it all week. And if you come back and you believe that God doesn't want you to pray for the Chinese, then you don't have to pray for the Chinese anymore. Well, they came back next Sunday, full of tears. God wants us to pray for the Chinese too. He wants them to be saved. <laughs> Let's the Holy Spirit do the work. Paul is saying, look, I trust that God will make this clear, that you have room to grow just the same. He'll bring sins to mind. He'll remind you that, yes, you need to keep moving forward too. He says, hold true. Only this. Let us hold true to what we have attained. And the word he uses there is stoikeo, which is a Greek word that really has a military term. It's, it's standing sort of in a line like a soldier. I think I have a picture of a Roman soldier there coming up. Like an army on, on holding on to what really actually matters. That's what he's saying. Some things really do matter, friends. So he's not saying just forget about the past altogether. Just be ignorant of all of history. None of it really matters. That's not what his point is. I like what one historian said, those who do not know history will remain children forever. <laughs> if you don't learn from your past, you don't learn from history, then you're not really growing. So he's not saying forget the past altogether. What he is saying is 
There are some things you need to hold on to. Some things that really do matter. What really matters? Scripture really matters. The gospel really matters. How God has saved you really matters. How he's worked in your life really matters. The people he's used in your life to help you grow, they really matter. Stick with that stuff. Stick with the stuff that helps keep you on track and keep you running. Don't toss that aside. Use that and get rid of everything else. Some things really do matter. Some things don't matter, right? Petty insults don't matter. Let those go. Grudges don't matter. You know, uh, oftentimes somebody, somebody says something hurtful to somebody else, and they say, you know, I need to do a Matthew 18 here, and I confront them about their sin. Sometimes, Proverbs 19, 11 says, it's, a, it's a, our glory to overlook an offense. Sometimes it's just wise to say, you know what, I'm just going to move forward and not let that hold me back. Our past failures don't need to be held on to. Move forward. A lot of things don't matter. Carpet color. You know, the, the old uh, saying that churches argue about things that are unimportant. They argue about things like carpet color instead of things that really matter. I think that is an issue for our church here at First Baptist. We sometimes make a big deal about things that don't matter. And we miss out on things that really do matter. We're not focusing on the things that really matter. Friends, for 2017, let's, let's hold true to what really matters. Take your faith and let's grow. Take what you've learned, let's apply it. Let's be spiritually stronger. Let's do it together, as he says, like an army holding together. Friends, surround yourself with folks that will build you up. This is the best advice you can give somebody, particularly somebody who's young. What can you do? Surround yourself with people who are going to build you up. Don't surround yourself with people who are going to pull you down. Surround yourself with people who, are, who love the Lord, and who, are, who are out for your best and want what is best for you. But that help you move forward. And friends, as a church, let's focus on the things that really matter as we move forward. Just as a, an example of this, when I was uh, my first year here as the lead uh, pastor, um, I made two pretty significant changes. One was we moved from uh, more topical preaching to expositional preaching. You know, preaching through a specific passage, talking about that specific passage and sticking to the point of that passage. That was one change. The other change was I moved stone benches from inside the church to outside the church because they're actually outside benches, outdoor benches. But we moved these stone benches because, you know, it looked like we're more of a museum. We want to be more of a hospital for sinners and then a museum for saints. So we moved these outdoor benches outside. Which one do you think was a big deal to the church? I'll give you a hint. It wasn't the preaching. The big deal was you moved benches from one place to another. We just changed the whole direction of how we do preaching and the ministry of the word. Let's focus on the things that really do matter, friends. Church is built on the gospel. It's built on worship. It's built on discipleship, on outreach, on missions. Stand firm like an army moving forward on the things that really matter. Go forward and not backward. Pretty simple. Friends, 2017, I pray, would be a year in which we recognize that we haven't arrived. So we keep stressed, straining forward. We don't keep looking back personally or as a church. And where we hold on to what matters as we go forward. Pray, and I hope that 2017 will be your best year. Your best year yet. Loving Jesus, being with his people. Studying the word, telling new folks about Jesus, and doing mission work until we reach the end. 
being in the presence of Jesus himself and knowing him fully. This world may be filled with even more turmoil than last year. And if what happened in Fort Lauderdale is any indication, that may be the case for our country. But we have a peace that transcends that. A peace in Christ. And a race and a goal that is set before us that comes from Christ himself. That we might know him more. Just pray with me. Our gracious Father in heaven, help us as individuals who walk with you and love you and as a church family together. Help us to keep running the race faithfully. Help us to recognize we haven't arrived as areas uh, that need growth. I pray that we would be wise as we look at our own lives and look at what areas need to be matured in Christ, what areas need to come under the lordship of Jesus that are perhaps not fully submitted submissive to you as our Lord and would seek to grow and to mature faithfully in that area. I pray, Lord, that you would enable us to forget what lies behind, that we would not let our past sins or pain or even successes shape us into the future. Instead, Lord, we would look to Christ and the race that you have set before us. And you'd help us, Lord, to hold on to that which matters. We're able to let go of things that don't matter, things that are secondary or even tertiary or even lower than that, and would focus on the things that really matter most as we strain forward to know you more. The fellowship of sharing in your sufferings and the power of your resurrection. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.